0: Let's get started.
1: Hey there, welcome to the Dr. Marketing Tips Podcast. I'm Jennifer.
0: And I'm
2: Corey.
1: And we are joining you from sunny San Diego this week, where we have spent the the past several days at the annual ASOA conference, which stands for the American Society of Ophthalmic Administrators. That is a mouthful, and it was a mouthful of a conference with hundreds and hundreds of administrators dozens upon dozens of sessions where Corey and I sat in on different tracks so that we can find out what practice administrators are dealing with firsthand at their practices. So Corey, I think we're going to do a, um, a top level of kind of our key takeaways from this week's practice, and then we'll probably break down these some of these topics into some subsequent um, podcast episodes over the next couple of weeks. So let's get right to it. Corey, what was your big takeaway this week?
2: Yeah, so on the very first day, one of the uh, early sessions that I sat in, we discussed how to create a team, and I thought that was really interesting. There was a couple of key points there I took down on my notes I wanted to share with everybody. Um, you know, just sort of the whole idea of if you grow your team and you have good people, they're going to help you advance your practice. And if you take these jobs, like your, your tech jobs and um, your technicians, and they turn it into more of a career than a job, those kinds of things, that's what helps inspire staff. It helps staff understand that you believe in them and ultimately it'll decrease expenses on the practice and sort of increase the efficiency and they were making the point that you know if you have better trained staff and and sort of these processes in place you can see let's say five patients more a day and then you you know you're going to pay for this enhanced training that quickly because of the increased efficiency that that you're seeing and sometimes we forget we're supposed to be One team, you know, there's an admin team, there's a patient care team, there's an AR team, whatever. Um, But at the end of the day, they each have different goals and cultures sort of within them. So uh, it's up to the practice administrators and the leaders to reinforce the vision that you set out for the team. So I thought that was really interesting.
1: Did you hear that in your Friday session when you did the eight hour deep dive on the seven effective Habits of Successful Leaders, the Stephen Covey piece?
2: Yes, that was uh, around hour two, I believe. We were okay. talking about how to develop the teams.
1: Tell for our listeners who were the presenters, kind of what, what where they were from and what their story was.
2: Yeah, so it was actually like a uh, almost like a panel, and there was uh, three um, ad- administrators of different levels, and they were with the uh, Duke University uh, Ophthalmology Program. And what they had done over the past several years is actually basically create a new culture from scratch and they called that day zero, which I really like. So basically they said um, they sat down with every staff member physician and they said, we know that for the past 10 years, XYZ went this way, but starting today, it's going to be different. So they basically hit the reset button on their culture moving forward and they've seen the practice grow leaps and bounds because of that.
1: Yeah. I think that's, it's right in line with what Kara, um, was saying in the keynote, there was a keynote on generational gaps and just you know different divides within the different generations within the workforce. And it, I think you probably wrote this in your notes too, but basically like day zero, ground zero, day one for the employee. And she had this whole, you know, piece of the conversation where we talked about like how not to make the first day suck for your new hire. And why is that so important? Because you're, you know, you're so busy building teams within your practice and making sure that everything's running efficient. But right now, the way that our competitive landscape is working um, with low unemployment, um You know, your employees are expecting to have a pretty darn good experience. And as practice managers, you're so busy, you know, with the day to day that maybe you don't have everything ready to go on day one. So she was saying, you know, to put that focus on the first experience that the new hire has when they're, you know, at the practice for the first time to the point that, you know, they still have people trying to recruit them for jobs other practices are still talking to them. They may even have, you know, offers that are going to be made at the time that they're starting, you know, at your practice. And until they have several months or maybe, you know, even, you know, a full year under their belt where they're kind of bound by what she was calling golden handcuffs, you know, like if they, once they have some PTO built up, maybe they're going to think twice about quitting, but when it comes to like a millennial and if they have a bad experience on day one, they may not come back after lunch. And so putting your focus, your team building focus on, on that very first experience that that potential employee is going to have when they start their job.
2: Well, it's like marketing, right? We always say put your best foot forward. Well, it's the same thing on the employee side. When you have a new employee come, you want to put your best foot forward because those new hires, those are the flight risks. Those are the ones that want to, that are want to, and totally capable of just up and leaving because, like you said, maybe they have another offer. You know, they they chose you and they started with you, but that doesn't mean that on Tuesday they're going to get a phone call from another business offering
1: them a dollar more an hour right and
2: then they're gone just like that because when they got there on their first day to start with you they didn't have a computer and everything was sort of disorganized they had lunch
1: by themselves nobody paid attention to them you know there wasn't a process and a protocol in place for day one and so i think that's important when it comes to team building
2: exactly exactly what was one of your big takeaways
1: um it's right in right in line with what you're saying it was you know there were a lot of conversations about hiring and hiring practices and personal there really was yeah a lot of you know because i think that is For all of us, because of the way that the market is right now, it is an employer, it's an employee market, you know, just like in real estate, it's, it's, sometimes it's employer, like a couple years ago, and right now it's an employee market, which is why we're having to reinvest back into our employees. So like I was just saying, there was a, uh, there was a keynote dedicated to understanding kind of the intricacies of the millennial, um, because millennials are, are the largest element of our workforce right now. And they, um, they grew up in a different time. You know, it was interesting because there were several sessions that I attended where we talked about millennials and just generational differences in general. And it's not so much about the number, like the year that they were born, as much as it is about the the, the era that they grew up in and the things that shaped them as individuals. There was one woman, we were listening to a session. She was a consultant, does sales training for ophthalmology, ophthalmic practices. And um, she said, you know, I'm guilty of it. I raised my kids like this. And now you guys are all having to deal with my children in your practices. And, you know, there's, there's, for example, millennials grew up, um, actually Gen X, which is me. We grew up in the time that was the highest divorce rate our country had ever seen. And all of a sudden you have individuals who are latchkey kids because the workplace was not flexible to allow mom or dad to come home to be there when you got off the school. So latchkey kids were the very first kids that were left a note with instructions on what to do for dinner and to do after they were done with school. It created an entire generation, Generation X, that's a very independent generation that can completely function on their own because that independence was instilled in them from day one. If you like what you're hearing and need some help marketing your medical practice this year, be sure and check us out at InsightMG.com. That's Insight, M as in marketing, G as in group.com. Don't think you've got a budget for this kind of stuff? Think again. We've got you covered. Make sure you schedule a free consult today. And then, you know, you have Generation X, my generation, who said, you know what? I'm not going to raise my kids like that. It was hard. It was lonely to be in home alone. You know, I had so much autonomy, but then it's this generation I have kids and the millennials, you know, I become this person's like, you know, to my child, I start coddling them. I'm a helicopter parent. You know, I'm allowing them to have flexibility because I never had that level of flexibility. And now they feel like they have, you know, millennials feel like they have more choices. They want to be coddled a little bit more. There's more of a conversation. That's all not because of the year they were born. That's the situation they grew up in. And that's part of understanding these difference in generations.
2: Yeah. And and. To that point, you know, the millennials, they didn't choose to grow up like that. I mean, I'm, I'm a millennial, but uh, more of an old-soul millennial. Yes, That's yeah. <laughs> the term going around the the uh, conference. Um, but, yeah, so we didn't ask for participation ribbons and trophies and things like but you that. Got it. They were just sort of hated to us. So now when you... The show up at the workforce, you do want that consistent feedback. You sort of expect it and knowing how to communicate across those generational divides can really unite or break apart a culture at an office.
1: Absolutely. What did she say? Like that, you know, she didn't grow up, exp- she didn't grow up asking for those ribbons, but she got them. Exactly. So it, that's why you have to look at your workforce and say, I need to reward them for, for doing a good job. Even if they're just doing their job, that's what they're used to doing. They're showing up, so they're expecting to be rewarded.
2: Right. Like if you think about it, um, you would say as a practice administrator, do I really have to congratulate you because you showed up on time for five days in a row? Yes. But yeah, exactly. But then when you really think about it, aren't you kind of glad that they showed up on time for five days in a row? So maybe you should say something. Absolutely. So it was an interesting perspective. Yeah. So
1: the hiring stuff was a big trend. Um, and you know, there's like an overall trend. I feel like that was in every session and that was kind of like patient experience and understanding these different generations, you know, and and along the lines of the hiring again, you know, there's lots of discussion about the baby boomers retiring right now. And what are you going to do with all that institutional knowledge? And how are you going to get this next generation up to speed? And do you maybe need to offer um, like a scale back retirement where somebody's working a couple days a week as they're training that next generation and group? And that leads me into that kind of final piece of hiring. Now more than ever, um, the discussion out there is we have to get our people educated on how they play into the big picture. Because, especially if you're looking at the different generations, you know, millennials and the generation behind them of um, Generation Z, there is an expectation that you're going to be part of something greater. And how are you going to do that with your employees?
2: When you're thinking about these in-office training, one of my big takeaways in addition to everything that we had just talked about was the in-office conversion training. So I sat on in on a session where they were discussing how, um, so the presenter basically set up a scenario with a practice that he was working with and he said that they had two counselors and you know they were in charge of basically the upsell for the premium lenses for cataracts and things like that and uh one converted at around like 48% to get people to go with like the multifocal lens and what have you which is which is great that's that's a pretty good number <clears throat> another one con- converted at around 68% so at the end of the year, the one with the higher conversion percentage wound up netting an additional $700,000 for the practice. Right. And that had nothing to do with a bigger marketing budget or uh, anything along those lines. It was just a matter of having the proper training and knowing how to speak to the patients because to an extent, especially in the ophthalmology field, a lot of uh, what's going on is it's, it's sales at once they hit the counselor position. So if the physician's might say, you are a good fit for this particular procedure, or this particular upgrade, you know, it's not up to the physician to kind of like, quote unquote, close that deal. But it is up to a counselor or someone within the practice um, to go ahead and take that responsibility and, and really do that and offer that to the patient. And, and it's interesting when you frame that conversation as as either selling or just providing a solution that they're going to be happier with. And that's a whole different topic. But I, I just thought it was really interesting that you can, <clears throat> there's a lot of things you can really do to increase the effectiveness and grow the, sort of the bottom line of the practice without spending any additional dollars.
1: Yeah. And I think in line, you, you just mentioned sales several times in that cycle. And I think, you know, so many practices now have ancillary s- sales opportunities. Exactly. You know, like, you know, where they're adding cosmetic or hearing aids or, you know, upgraded lens or, you know, um, a regenerative medicine, cash-based sales, things of that nature that aren't covered. And I never really thought about that with practices. And so taking that from a retail component and how can you translate what's going on in the retail world and turn that into an opportunity in your practice and so i think there's there's some deep dive that needs to happen when we get back to town to really start looking at the right kind of programs and campaigns to put together at least for our clients that are really going to boost from a retail side and not just you know along the you know bringing a patient in to talk to the the doctor.
2: Yeah and then speaking of the Retail side, so yeah, we did talk about the in-office sort of conversion training. But another thing I thought was really interesting, as it relates to sort of this conversion training retail side component, is prepping the patients before they get there. So patient
1: readiness. Yes.
2: So there was this one practice, uh, and she gave an example where um, once it was identified, sort of what the patient was coming in for they would actually put together a series of videos. They had like a big playlist already sort of outlined and they would say, okay, so Susie's coming in. She needs to watch uh, video two, seven, and 10. And then they would send that to, to Susie in an email. And basically they wanted the patient to be ready when they came in that uh, these, you know, they would brand the practice. They would say, our doctors are the best. We set a new standard in care, blah, blah, blah. We're repro- improving sight, improving lives here are some of the ways that we do that. And then they would outline some of the premium options that are there. So that way when Susie came into the chair, one, it would decrease chair time, so it's a little bit more efficient, but two, she sort of had in her mind already that well, maybe that multifocal lens is what I want to do. And then it wasn't as overwhelming for her of a choice when she's sitting there talking to the counselor or whatever on her way out, where she had to go home and think about it. She said, yep, that's for me.
1: Yeah, and they said that you know they saw a a dramatic, increase in conversions at the practice like when they came in because like Corey like you just said you know Susie's hit with something that's going to be six thousand dollars per eye she might want to mull over the possibility of dropping twelve thousand dollars out of pocket I would um before she comes (laughs) in and you know that helps get her through whatever the emotional um protocol she has to get to where she can make a decision hey there Replacing an employee can be expensive, upward of 50% of that employee's annual salary. Did you know that only 33% of your employees are actually engaged at work? Well, what if you could invest in engaging and training your employees for as little as $8 per month, with training that's specific to the challenges you face in your medical practice, like customer service, patient experience, communicating across generations, just to name a few. Well, visit us at InsightMG.com to find out more about how our employee engagement and training platform can help you strengthen employee retention, develop patient service mindsets, and give you peace of mind when it comes time for annual reviews, all without creating any additional work for you, and it's only eight bucks a month. So check us out at InsightM, as in marketing, G, as in group, dot com. We'll be waiting for you. I think that what was also interesting from the patient readiness stuff, because so they were talking about dropping maybe something in the mail to your patients, a welcome package. The videos were there, having the videos where you set them up where you can see when the patient actually views them. Mm Um, we have a practice that we're working with on several drip campaigns specifically, and it's right in line with patient readiness, and it's actually an ophthalmology practice. And so we'll be taking a lot of this back And as we set up those campaigns from a sales side because it's specifically to address this type of thing. But what it really got me going back to is, you know, this presentation that we heard too when they were talking about patient readiness was also very largely entrenched in the whole generational thing. And I think that, you know, you're... Baby Boomer may not feel like she wants to be watching a video before she comes in. But this next generation of me, the generation X, may very easily watch a video. And the generation following, if your patient is Corey, well, he is expecting that he's going to watch a video. He's going to be wanting all that education ahead of time. And um, that's right in line with what were they saying about Generation Z and how they'll be the best patients when they finally get some money.
2: Yeah, because so Generation Z has basically always grown up with a device essentially in their hand. So they will expect these customized experiences. They are going to want that video that we're talking about. The next generation is going to expect their name to be in the video because yes. it's customized to them and it's going to talk specific to their needs. And when they have money, they're going to be so well informed and so well researched. They are going to, like for example, they were talking about like buying a new TV. And the, so Generation Z is going to walk in and say, "Give me the money," or they're going to go on Amazon and they're going to they're going to make that purchase. They don't need a salesperson because they know all the information. They've already. done all the research, right? It's just a matter of. They don't have any of those funds yet. So that's coming, though.
1: That is coming, and that's something to pay attention to. So um, one of the other kind of key takeaways that I took was, you know, so we go to a lot of conferences, it feels like. um, And, oh, I was also a speaker at this conference, which is why we were there. And then once once we've already committed to going as a speaker, we always sign up and then go to all the sessions so we can learn. But, you know, in, in years past, we've been talking about online reviews a lot and integrating that into our marketing component and kind of monitoring what people are saying about you online and making sure you claim your profiles etc my talk was on social media customer service but the really the piece of that talk is social media plus customer service that's your reputation online and there this was this was a discussion point across so many sessions is how do you use the reviews and the word of mouth that's taking place online and translate that into an opportunity for marketing your practice. I had um, a session that I attended this morning where there was a firm that was talking about, you know, is there a correlation between your star rating? and your traffic to your website and the number of appointments that you're seeing. And he quoted out a number that once you get down below a 4.3 star rating, that you will see a um, that you can quantify it to traffic on your website and appointment request. So I'm going to take that back to our office and, and take a look at that metric across all of the clients that we work with. And so I'll come back on a different episode and, and remind you of that. But there was just a lot of conversation about online reviews. About the role that the reviews are now playing in bringing new patients in the door, about how they they play into search engine optimization for your practice, and how now you know you need to be really front and center on online reviews and having a protocol in place to deal with it. it could be, as, at the end of the day, customer service has now, um, there's a necessity to elevate it because everything is so public out there.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it's like anything, like if, if you were looking at a restaurant, right, and they had one review and it was a five-star, you'd say, well, it's rated well, but it's only one person. I don't know if I trust that place. And same on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. If your practice had just one review on Google and somebody talked about how gross the bathroom was, then to the potential patient, they would say, you know, they, they may not uh, schedule that appointment, but then later when they're talking over with their family, they could say, I don't know, I heard that place was kind of dirty. All they saw was one review, one sentence, but all of a sudden you have a reputation and someone is is going around telling people that they know that your facility is, isn't clean, which, you know, may not necessarily be the case. Well,
1: case in point, we're walking down the streets of San Diego yesterday for lunch Trying to figure out where to eat. We come up to this place and I'm like, wait a minute. We only get one lunch a day. Let's double check it. So we pull it up on Yelp. They had 2,000 four and a half star reviews. We went right in and sat down and had a $100 lunch.
2: Exactly. Because it's
1: expensive in San Diego.
2: Shout out to Barley Mash because that food was so good.
1: (laughs) I think we have one more shout out. Who's that? Bevins.
2: Oh, hey Bevins. Hey
1: Bevins from Array Skin (laughs) Therapy in San Diego area. (laughs) <laughs> We've right. been laughing about that all week, Bevins, we, because you gave us a shout out via email and said how much you enjoyed the podcast and we wanted to make sure we shout out back to you.
2: I'm so glad you remembered to do that.
1: Yeah, hopefully. Now Bevins, I hope you listen to this one and then you tell us.
2: We're gonna, yeah, you're, we're gonna test you. All right, last uh, takeaway for me, social reminders. So nothing crazy here, but it was just interesting to hear like um, sort of the uh, topics reiterated. So we sat in a class on um, social media. And it was just a nice reminder that people want their lifestyle changed more than they want anything else. So if you're doing your own social media, obviously you're gonna to wanna to post some educational content. That's fine. But just think of it like this. You don't go to a restaurant website and they have like pictures of the oven. So on your, on your website, on your social media, People, they don't want to go there and they don't want to see the, the cataract machine, the LASIK machine, what, you know whatever. You have the latest technology, great. Well, so does everybody else. And it, what they want is the lifestyle. They want to see the, <clears throat> the woman on the golf course holding a golf ball you know, or saying that she can drive without glasses again, that she can read without any, any sort of contacts or glasses or whatever because those are the, the things that really resonate. If you can do that with a real patient, You know, even better, because that's what we talk about all the time with the patient forward kind of approach. But um, they they were just sort of reinforcing that they don't want to hear more about the procedures or how many you did. They just want to know the outcomes and how that changed their life. And so the number that they threw out was 80 percent should be focused on sort of this this uh, engagement and this results-based kind of stuff, and 20% is maybe on educational, business, those kinds of things, because as you're scrolling through Instagram or Facebook, as the Gen X and millennials are starting to do, and you really are trying to reinforce brand awareness and your brand messaging, you know, you don't want to always see these educational pieces because that's not what we like to call thumb-stopping content, that's just content that, I mean, the doctor may like it, you may think it's good, but really, it's it's focused about the, the lifestyle, the office, the practice, the people there that, that make the culture um, because that's what's going to get potential patients to come in.
1: Absolutely. And I think that one thing that I kept getting out of the conversations regarding social is tying your employees into that equation. Yes. Because, you know, you've got – employees that are interacting with patients and then you have patients interacting with employees and with physicians. Those are the stories you want to tell you know, part of our topic um, for my talk was social media or customer service was customer service like how you can change that conversations or how you can take control of the conversation. And this is how you take control of that conversation. I think it was interesting too, as there was a lot of discussion about hiring practices and the way that the market is right now of how your potential employees are leaning into social media to see if it might be a good environment for them to work in so you're really putting your best foot forward you've got the employee experience and the patient experience and you have to lean really heavily into engagement on both sides so that you can overall increase that experience and so i think i don't want to lose sight of that because you've got You've got, you know, yes, you're so focused on bringing in patients, but you need to have a great workforce. And at the end of the day, I heard this question several times who's more important, your patients or your employees?
2: Oh, that's a great question.
1: It was nine out of 10 times the focus should be on your employees because, like Richard Branson says this all the time if you invest in your people, your people will take care of your customers. But if you don't have a good team in place, then All hell's going to break loose when it comes to your customers. And so, you know, focusing on your people and creating that level of engagement will help you control that conversation and and to start that conversation about how fantastic your practice is. So it all starts and ends with your people. They'll take care of the patients.
2: No, that makes sense. And then if the people are better trained, you have better outcomes, better compliance, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah.
1: So if you only have, you know, 15 hours in the day that you can work, you better be putting about 13 hours um, into making sure that your folks are happy, they're educated, they're feel communicated with and whatnot.
2: Perfect. Yeah. And overall, though, I would say great conference. um, Great job from everybody at ASOA. And hopefully we'll be back soon.
1: Yeah, hopefully we'll see you next year. And with that, I'm Jennifer. I'm Corey. And we'll see you next time on the Dr. Marketing Tips podcast. Thank you. Bye,
2: guys.